Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. I was talking to someone and where just a simple prayer in the foyer and now his wife doesn't seem to have cancer anymore. How many know God is good? This, come on. Come on, that's a life change. That's a marriage saved. That's a testimony. That's the goodness of God. This last season of Transform, we had at least seven men save their marriages. I heard a story recently of a woman who shared with her brother in India. He'd been watching our services. And for some reason on this one Sunday, he said, I don't know what happened, but I literally got delivered a pornography just in watching the service. I heard uh, a story at, uh, I believe in Bill Banquet, of three young people, age, I think, in their early 20s, they said, I just want to thank you, Pastor, for your church. Because he said, a year ago, I was in the worst place I could ever be. It was the lowest point of my life. And I started coming here and I started hearing faith. I started hearing hope. I started hearing a different narrative than was the narrative of our, of our culture at the time. And how many know that matters? When you hear a young little girl, young woman really tell you, man, I was in a bad place. How many know the house of God matters? Come on, how many know the house of God matters? There was a beautiful story. I bumped into a woman in the foyer at Resilient Woman the weekend. And she looked at me. She just had tears in her eyes. And she said, ah, you know when someone's life's changing, when they're really changed? And they looked at me and she said, I can't believe God did something for me. Like for me, you could tell God had just touched her heart in such a, uh, such a, such a special way. And, and I, I was thinking of another guy in our church who, I think when I first met him, he was very on. He was very all over the place is the best way I could describe it. Now he's becoming a police officer and um, he's got vision. He's, he, he actually wants to invest and disciple other men. And man, it's just one of the multiple stories of this church. And I just want to say this, our church, what we are, what I pray we'll always be is fresh. Someone say fresh. Someone say real. Someone say powerful. Fresh is keeping that religious mask off your face and pulling it down and saying, God, I won't be fake, but Lord, help me become real. Help me not become some just shouting Christian who doesn't do anything at home or the religious one who goes through the motions, but help me, help me have the real relationship with God that actually changes my life and, and, and challenges every area of my life. I think Jesus should challenge every area of your life. What do you think? And I pray that we'll be a church that's fresh. I pray we'll be a church that's real. What's real? It's not perfect. It's never perfect, but it's just authentic. It's when I am aligned different from Jesus, I, I change. I allow Him to speak to me. I allow Him to speak to my life. And, and I, let me say this, we're a church that's fresh, real and powerful. You know, some churches... And I don't, I don't say this lightly because I know there's the struggle with it. Some churches or some places have forsaken the Holy Spirit in the church because maybe a few answered prayers didn't go their way. 
It's like they say God doesn't do miracles anymore. And I would say to you today that God is a miracle working God. You may not get every answered prayer, but the more we believe God and the more we trust God and the more we say, God can do something with my life. How many know that some of you are a walking miracle? Shouldn't be here, but God has a plan for your life. I just want to tell you that today. God has a plan for your life. Do you believe it? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But watch this now. But where there is vision, they progress. When there is vision, they overcome. When there is vision, they get unstuck. When there is vision, they restore their families. When there is vision, even when things didn't go their way, they move forward. So let me just tell you a couple of things we really want to do in 2022, just as a church community. At the end of every Transform group, there will be serve days. Someone say serve days. Serve days are an opportunity for all of us to serve somewhere outside, both in the church, outside the church, to people you'd never. It's one thing to say, do something for Jesus. It's another thing. How many know it's better if we just lead you and help you actually create a space where you can actually serve? And so there'll be those coming up. We're taking three mission trips this year. We're going to the Dominican Republic. We're going to be building a playground for children there. Um, there's a, there's a mission trip planned in Michigan. There's another mission trip planned another place. I want to give three churches away to India, our partners in India this year. I want to do that this year. I believe we can do that this year. That doesn't cost a lot. It's only $21,000 to do that. We can do that. We can do that this year. I felt like the Lord has put on my heart that this year our, ch our, our church will go on television and I'm just believing it to speak to people in unique places and unique phases of life, perhaps where we cannot reach. And um, we're going to do that. Isn't that good? I believe part of the go of our church is with music. I believe part of the go of our church is with what God's doing in Transform and what God's doing with Resilient Woman and what God's doing through Resilient Woman the weekend coming up in November. What's God's going to do with Luke 2, the 252 weekend we have in June? I believe that God wants to expand our reach. I, I feel this, this sense. You know, I've been to a lot of men's conferences and I was at one this last year in March and I, and I felt in my heart, I'm like, oh Lord, this would take a lot of work to do. I didn't really want to do it because oh, I had to be a lot of work. But I just felt in my heart, the Spirit of God, no, there's a voice. When people are tearing down men, when people are robbing people of identity, the church of the living God needs to be more fixed and more focused. See healing come to identity more than ever before. Strong men, strong women. The world is, the future is not female, it's male and female. The future is not confusion, the future is the truth. The future is male and female. It's family, it's flourishing. That's the plan of God, the plan of Satan we say no to. There's a fire! <laughs> I don't yell at you just to be obnoxious. <laughs> Uh, why, why is he yelling? 
What's he doing? <laughs> Not sure why I talk English every time I say that. Because none of you sound English. But there is a deep fire in me to build men and build women. And so I, I just want to say this. We'll always be reaching more people. Don't ever say about the church, the church is getting too big. Don't ever say that. That's what the devil says. We're to reach more kids. We're to reach more youth. We're, we're to reach into the prisons. We're to reach into the families. We're to reach into the business world. We're to reach into the governmental world. We're to reach into the music world. We are always to reach. Then we're to teach. We're to disciple. There is a three-year path of discipleship. If you jump into our transform group for the first time, it's actually a three-year path of discipleship because it's one thing to have a big vision, but how many know you need a big process? And um, I think, uh, oh, I can't miss this. Oh yeah, next year I'm praying and believing, 2013. Now this is a, oh yeah, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Back to the future. But in 2023, um, I'm believing our church is going to look like this. Yeah. You can show the other shot too. Now, I just want to say real quick, um, this is an actual building. We didn't just get it off Google. <laughs> we could have though. It's an actual building. Now, we are working towards this building, but I do want to say this, whether it's this building or another building, God has a great building for us. I think this location is an amazing location. That location is an even better location. I can't believe how ridiculously good the location is. And it's 40,000 square feet. This is 20,000 square feet. Double the, double the auditorium, double the foyer, double the kids' space, double. We'll be able to fit about 800, 900 people in a sanctuary. And so how many know the good things are ahead? So at the end of today, someone say the end of today. So the end of today, I'll be praying a, a prayer over many of you who will just say, God, what's the brick I need to bring? What's the part I need to play? And um, come on, let me pray for you. And then we're going to, then I'll let you sit. The touch of God's here. The touch of heaven's in this house. So Father, I lift up your people to you right now. Every son, every daughter, God, one who perhaps does not yet know you, not sure of you. I lift them up to you right now in Jesus' name. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe across these moments and make them impact eternity. Would you speak to people where they need it? Would you open the eyes and ears and hearts so that we might see and understand? I pray, Lord God, today, Lord, that there would be the breaking of certain things that have limited people for years, shallowness and, and fake worship, and they would bring true worship to the house of God and to the things of God so that they might be blessed. In Jesus' name, and a faith-filled Church Alive said, Amen. Come on, one more time. Come on. All right, grab your seat. Thank you, worship team. Tell the person next to you, you're good looking.
Go back to the, other per- the same person, just go, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. You know. I don't have long to preach today because I had so much to share when it comes to the vision of our church and where we're going and, and what we're believing God to do through this year. And uh, so we're going to jump into a passage of Scripture in the book of Judges. And it is a famous passage of Scripture, but I want to just set some things up before I um, minister around this thought. In Judges 6 verse 1, the Bible says that the Israelites had done evil. Someone say evil. Someone say it with this accent, say evil. Um, I, I, I don't know. I can't stop myself doing that. It's, I need to stop it. It's terrible. Um, and I'm not even that good at it person. I actually haven't even seen the whole movie. Um, but anyway, someone say evil. <laughs> And uh, the, they did evil, though, in the eyes of the Lord, and not just a joking evil. They literally began to pursue the idols that were in the promised land. God has rescued them from Egypt and has brought them through the, prom- through the desert now into the promised land, and He has warned them, stay away from the idols. And how many know that the children of Israel were not that good at listening? And the blessing of God lifts off their life. It literally lifts. And when the blessing lifts, the enemy always comes in. And the enemy came in and begins to oppress them. And for seven years, they are deeply and disturbingly oppressed. They are hiding in caves. And that's really where we find our hero of the day, Gideon. But God sends them first, not Gideon. God sends them first a prophet, a spokesperson in Judges chapter 6. Verse 7, and it reads like this. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Someone say a prophet. A prophet is God's spokesman who said, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He begins to explain to them what he has done for them. And I rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors and I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not, someone say do not. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And God sends this prophet and he begins to diagnose, someone say diagnose to diagnose the problem as a doctor would diagnose if you are sick. The prophet says, listen, God wants you to be blessed, but you have literally forsaken Him and you're worshiping other idols. And it's interesting to me that first God sends them a spokesman, a prophet, but then God sends them another man and he is a leader. And the leader's job was not just to declare, hey, you've done something wrong. The leader's job was to literally bring back the blessing of God. And I I wonder to myself today if you can consider yourself the Gideon in your family. I wonder to myself today that not just is Gideon in essence, is he gonna preach to you for a moment, but can you be the Gideon that deals with the things that lifts the blessing of God off your life? And then the Bible says that he meets Gideon and the angel of God comes and meets with Gideon and there is this kind of unusual conversation. Check it out, I don't have time to go into all the detail of it, but Gideon is insecure and Gideon kind of thinks he's small and Gideon doesn't think he's enough and God has to continue to say to him, you are a mighty warrior. Someone say that with me. I am a mighty warrior. Say, I can be a mighty warrior. Someone say, I can be 
the domino effect in my generation. And this is what Gideon is called to be. God says, you are gonna be a mighty warrior. He doesn't believe him, but he continues to affirm in him and basically give him a great conviction that he is called by God and that God is with him. Someone say conviction. And there is this battle of believing and finally Gideon gets to the point where he now believes. But there is a next battle and the next battle is not of believing. It is the battle And the main battle I wanna talk to you about today, it is the battle of false worship. Judges chapter six, verse 23 says this, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. Someone say good news. (laughs) Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Someone say the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in, not Oprah, but Ophrah of the Abizrites. Verse 25, that same night. So Gideon has just brought God worship. He takes an animal. He sacrifices it to God. He says, God, bless me and so forth. And that night, God begins to deal with not the nation. He deals with him. Sometimes we want people... We want God to fix America, God to fix Jersey, God to fix your family. But he says, no, 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 I need to deal with you first. So Gideon is called by God, he's affirmed by God, he's had this supernatural encounter and he is actually called to set them free and bring back the blessing of God to the Israelites. But watch this now, the first thing he has to deal with is his father's idolatry. Here's what the Bible says in verse 30. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. How many of you know that when you have a family tradition, that it's often not looked at highly if you come along and just break it. Gideon's father, actually some theologians say, is kind of the chief, the chief idol man. He's the guy that kind of started this whole thing of idolatry, but idolatry has become the normal. Someone say normal. Idolatry has become the normal in Israel. So they would go to the house of God, they would worship Jehovah, but then they would also go and they would worship Baal and Ashtoreth. And Baal is basically the the God that will bless their finances and bless their sex lives and give them kids. And Ashtoreth is a goddess and they worship him. And the worship is not you showing up to church. You would literally show up to church and you might bring some animals and then you'd go have sex with prostitutes. It was luring to sinful people. It was literally luring and they're like, hey, this is kind of more fun. Let's do that. Very quiet on me on that one. (laughs) And the first thing he has to do is take down his father's idol. And here's the thing, it's culturally accepted. It's popular. Here's the thing, it's expensive. Have you ever noticed if you mess with anything expensive, people wanna cut your head off? 
That's exactly what they want to do to Gideon. Here's the thing. He cuts down Baal and he cuts down Asherah and he doesn't go and sell it. He goes and burns it. And that burning is the worship to God. He takes what is vital and important and culturally acceptable to them and what his father and everyone loves to do. They love to go to the house of God, but it's not the house of God, it's the house of demons. And they love to go and worship there. And here's the thing, what was expensive to them, what was accepted to them, he has to take that one and burn it. Here's the thing, the war in my life, the war in your life, is the war for your heart. Let me say this again. The war for your life is the war for your heart because you will worship something. You will give your attention, you'll give your affection to something and you could even come to church and, and, and say hallelujah, but how many you know that God needs to speak to you about your heart? And God needs to deal with some areas of your heart. And you're like, I don't like him doing surgery on me. But that's what he does to Gideon. He basically says to Gideon, go tear that thing down. And I wonder to myself today, how many of you are willing to tear down fake worship so that you can bring true worship? Some say Amuna. Amuna is the Hebrew word that you and I will often think of faith. But here's what this Amuna means in the Hebrew it means to take action. Often we think of faith as cerebral thinking. Yes, I believe. No, faith is Amuna, it's to take action. I was at Chipotle. Chipotle. I, now I'm confused. I said in the first service, everyone laughed at me. They're like, yeah. I'm like, shut up. No, I didn't say that. Thank you. Chipotle. I went to a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and I ordered a burrito. <laughs> some tacos and some salsa. But anyway, I was with a friend of mine and he was uh, part of our church at the time. And the guy who was serving us had this really big Jesus tattoo on his arm. And so my friend was one of the best inviters of our church. I think Gino had brought him and Gino had invited him 10 times to come to our church. And so this guy would invite people 10 times before they'd say yes. Just seemed to be the thing. So he's talking to the guy. He's like, hey, you got a Jesus tattoo. So where do you go to church? She's like, nah, I, said, I didn't go to church. It's just my tattoo. Tattooed on the outside, not tattooed on the inside. Let me tell you, God is not impressed with your Jesus tattoo, your Jesus cross, your Philippians 4.13 on your back, on your side, on your forehead. He's not impressed by that. He wants to tattoo some things on your heart. And Gideon is called by God. Someone say he's called. And he battles believing for a moment. Someone say believe. But once he believes, God then stirs him to action. And he has to take down his 
false idolatry. And then the Bible says, I want you to see this now, Judges 6.34, he has completed his first assignment, take down the idolatry of your father and they wanna kill him. And Judges 6.34 says this, then, someone say then. Then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him powerfully. You wanna change your family? You wanna be the domino effect in a family, in a generation? You wanna be the difference maker? Man, you are called by God. But let me say this, believing is action and you have to rip down the cultural idols of the day. And let me just say what the cultural idols of our day are, they are so often just rooted in sex and rooted in money. That's what it is. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? It is literally the God behind money, but not money, unsurrendered money. Because how many know that God will give you all the money you can handle if He knows that it can flow through you? Abraham was wealthy. I mean, if you just go through the men in Scripture, you literally go, my goodness, they were blessed. So God is not against you having money. But He says, you gotta rip down that idol that says, if I only get to this, if I start making this level of money, if I live in that house, if I drive this car, if I have this many Instagram followers, if I drive, if I wear these clothes, if I wear these shoes, then I'll be happy. And it's a lie because it never, it's never enough. Heard an amazing story and it is really the story of the American business world in the last 100 and probably 20, 130 years. There was two very, very gifted, very, very powerful men. One of the men, his name was John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller was a committed Christian. He would never work on Sundays. He tithed. By the age of 43, he was giving away $100,000 per year to churches, ministries, hospitals. At the age of 53, he was giving away a million dollars per year. Historians tell us at the end of his life, he had given away 550 million, million, million dollars. He he sponsored hospitals, Chicago University, uh, sponsored black universities, sponsored Baptist churches. He sent missionaries all over the place because he allowed God to say, God, it's not about me. There's another very famous man, very well known. He made $100 million almost every single year. And he stole from 37,000 people. His name was Bernie Madoff. Both gifted, both business people, both entrepreneur, both multimillionaires. One surrendered to the Spirit of Christ, one surrendered to the Spirit of Mammon. Hear that again. One surrendered to the Spirit of Christ. One surrendered to the Spirit of Mammon. And here's what's so interesting about Bernie Madoff. He said this, I had all the money I could ever want. And he says, I don't even know why I did it. Dies in jail. Son commits suicide. One of the wealthiest, wealthiest men, but famous because he's a liar and he's a thief. And here's the interesting thing. He could have chosen the path of John D. Rockefeller. So when I talk to you about 
giving and finance. God did not apologize to Gideon saying, Gideon, I'm sorry, you have to tear down your father's altar. He literally goes, no, go do it right now. Because Gideon became the blessing agent. Hear me now. Gideon becomes the blessing agent to bring the blessing of God to his whole nation. But first he has to deal with his idol. Are you hearing this? See, I actually believe one of the most loving things I can tell you is this. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. You might make $10 a week. Seek first. You might make $100. Seek first. You might make $1,000. Seek first. You might make $10,000. Seek first. Million. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the number. It's seek first. It seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all of these things shall be added unto you as well. It is a seeking first. And some of you, many of you, you do this. I'm encouraging you. You're like, say it, pastor, say it. Others, I'm teaching you because you haven't known this. You grew up and you throw $2 and $3 and $5 into the offering bucket and you go, hey, I've done God a favor, save it. No, seriously, save it. The church doesn't need you $2 or $3 or $4 because God is not a pauper. God is not a man on the street that is begging for your attention. He is the King of all kings and He's the Lord of all lords. And He says, no, 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 I need your heart. I want your heart. I don't want a tattoo on your shoulder. I want a tattoo on your heart. And I felt like the Lord put on my heart today. Today, some of you will break a spirit of mammon that has literally been robbing the blessing of God over your generation. Some of you are going to get this. It's actually going to change your future. Listen to me. Stay, stand to your feet for a moment. Actually, no, sit down. Sorry. I realized I, I, I need a tiny bit more time. <laughs> I might just do that again just for fun. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You know, since I was 18, um, I've done this. I look back over my life and go, ah, oh, that's what it's kind of meant to do. Give God the first dollar out of every 10. We've saved, spent the rest, and then we've become spirit-led givers. This is what I believe every Christian is, this is how we're to live. You might have hung out with people, that's not how they live. I just wanna tell you that's fake worship. And I don't apologize for saying it, it's fake worship because God does not, He only accepts honor. He does not accept pennies. Now, if, if you only have 10 cents, He accepts pennies because He's a king. Because here's the thing, because I'm a father, I can only let my children talk to me a certain way because if I let them talk to me anyway, I'm robbing them of the blessing because I'm their dad and they must treat me a certain way because I brought them into the world. And how many know God brought you into the world? God made you, God loves you and He brought you into the world. So when He's teaching you something, it's so that your heart positions Him in the right place. And it honors him, and, and because if he allows you to treat him like a beggar, 
You don't know who He is. I was at the dollar store a couple weeks ago and it was around Christmas time. And how many know the dollar store around Christmas time is just a disaster? Don't ever go there. Sorry if you're a dollar store worker. I'm not trying to get you unemployed. There was mess everywhere. Why? Because everyone just treated it as a dollar. It's a dollar. And there was stuff everywhere. It was literally disgusting. I walked in, I was like, what is going on in this place? And weirdly enough, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, this is how some people treat my house. They treat me like I'm the dollar store, but I'm not the dollar store. I'm the king. I'm the king. Let me give you this last thought today because I need to say this. Breaking the spirit of mammon is not a prayer you pray. It's actually not attending a service. It's an action you do. So you act. And over the weeks and over the months and over the years, from the very smallest amount of money to the most amount of money, you literally act and it breaks. And you act and it breaks. And you act and it breaks. And eventually, mammon doesn't own you. You are the manager. And you see God as your supply. And you see God as your provision. And you see God as your blessing. And over the years, you say, God, here, take this. And then he, then he asks for something else. I've given away jackets. I've given away two cars in my life. Uh, why? Because he's Lord. But I've also had other people give me cars. Isn't that weird? I don't know many people who had just, oh, someone gave me a car. Why? The first, the chi- it was an $1,800 car. I bought my $1,800 car, cash. But at the end, I was about to go back to Australia. And the Holy Spirit's like, give that one away. I'm like, come on, Lord. But then I went to Australia and I got my first job, had a company car. I went from an $1,800 car to a $38,000 car. And I'm like, oh, Jesus is good. Then, I, then I, I lost that job. I wasn't very good at that job. Don't work in an area that's not your gifting. <laughs> Don't work in an area that's not your gifting. It wasn't my gifting. I jumped into my gifting, started making more money, more, and I was happier and, than I was. I bought a, a $6,000 car. I come to America, and this is right when Miriam and I first got married. The Holy Spirit says, give it to that person. I'm like, come on, don't do that again. <laughs> I gave him my car. It was a $5,000, $6,000 car. And then, uh, and then my mother-in-law kept getting bothered. She had to give me a car. It's an $11,000 car. And I, I say that not to just, hey, just give away stuff for no reason. No, the Holy Spirit actually said, do this. <laughs> So listen to me, every Christian, every Christian, every Christian should live like this. Give God a dollar, save a dollar or pay off debt, spend and enjoy, have fun, do your thing, but then ask God, help me be a spirit-led giver. And as you get more blessed over time, that's kind of just the way you live and the way you live. And then you become a blessing. You become a blessing. We've sponsored children in Africa and all kinds of things. But I just want to release you. This is how you break the spirit of mammon. And the spirit of God can come upon your heart and come upon your life. Come on, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for every person. I ask for them that you would speak to them where they need it. You would minister to this word. Help them literally go home and smash 
the idolatry sometimes of this generation, the idolatry of their father's home or their mother's home or the generations so that the Spirit of God might come powerfully upon them. I pray for each man in here and each woman here, help them be the Gideon. Help them, empower them to be the Gideon, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Eyes closed. All across this place, I never, we never have a service where we don't invite someone to receive Christ. You might be watching online today and watching and saying, Pastor Randy, I, I don't know God. You sung about God. You sung about the love of God. I don't know God. You might be in this room today and someone brought you as a, as a friend or maybe you've been coming a while and you just don't know if you know the love of God. We sung the song, for God so loved the world, every man, every woman. He loved us so much to give us His very best. Jesus didn't come into the world to, to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world, to forgive the world, to cleanse the world so you can have a fresh, real, and powerful relationship with God. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. And in that prayer is a simple moment of activating faith. It is It is. It is with our mouth we declare that Jesus is Lord. So if you're in this place today and you've never put your faith in Christ or you know you feel like you've been running away from Him and you know you need to come back to Him, we're gonna pray a prayer and that prayer is gonna lead us to a person. Say, Jesus, thank You for loving me so much to die for me. I declare You my Saviour, my Lord, come into my life change my heart I want to be your child thank you for your amazing grace all across this place while eyes are closed if you meant business with God would you quickly let me know all across this place raise your hand, raise it up high raise your hand, up high you're coming back to Christ thank you, thank you some of you putting your faith in Christ for the first time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up. That's awesome today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Number of you online. You can raise your hand. Say, man, I'm placing my faith in Christ today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless every life, every heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.